Chapter 9, Part 1 from the sermon series, The Gospel of John, spoken by Pastor Sunita Ponton. The show of hands, how many people are excited that school is going back? <laughs> I see more parents and caregivers than I see students, but I understand, I remember those days. I know going back to school, sometimes you just want to see your friends or show off your new back to school outfits, so I get it. That might be the extent. But for parents and caregivers, I'm sure you are so excited to get your little joys back on the bus and back into school. And in many ways, you know, the new school year is not just a, a reset for children and for parents, it's kind of a reset for all of us because even those of us who don't have children or don't have children going back to school, there's something about the summer ending and September beginning that seems like a reset for us, right? Um, you know, there's no more vacations, there are no more summer Fridays, there are no more, you know, day beach trips. We've kind of got to get back into the grind of work too. So it's almost like a reset for all of us. And so as we're resetting either for a new school year or going back to full-time sort of work hours, I hope that we will go, go into this new season, this new year, excited to be used by God for his power to be demonstrated through us. And my hope is that we will recommit to that as, we, um, as September kicks off and we go into the rest of the year. So if you have your Bibles with you, would you turn with me? to John chapter 9. We're returning to our study of the Gospel of John. John chapter 9. We're going to be reading um, almost the entire chapter, but we're going to start with the first seven verses. So John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As Jesus was walking along, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been born blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Verse 3, underline this, highlight this. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here, I am in the world. I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread, it, and spread the mud over the, eyes, over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Amen? Amen. So I love this. Look at God. God is showing us how powerful he is when he heals someone. And what's so amazing is that we get to be a part of the powerful work that God wants to do in the world. He actually does some of his best work when he's working in and through us. And don't you want the world to see the power of God through you? Isn't that what you want? And, and isn't, it wouldn't it be great if going into this new school year, going into this new, you know, back to the grind of the work, that we committed ourselves to be the type of Christian that people could see the power of God at work in our lives. Amen? Amen. So how do we do that? How do we allow God's power to be seen in our lives? First, God's power is seen in me when I am weak. Say it with me. I am weak. I am weak. God's power is seen in me when I am weak. This man was blind, and not only was he blind, but he was born blind. 
That was his weakness. He lacked his vision. And because there weren't jobs for blind people back then, this man had to spend his entire adult life begging. And he would beg outside the synagogue, right? It would be as if someone were outside of Greco every day, every Sunday, who was blind begging because they couldn't work. And so that was this man's life. And his weakness was that he was blind. What are some of your weaknesses? I always say that I wish I was one of those people who could just read something or hear something and just get it like that. I have a wonderful friend from law school, and when we'd be in class, I'd be in class typing furiously, trying to get all the notes, everything the professor said. My friend, meanwhile, would be there with one sheet of paper and a pen, and he would just jot down a few sentences. And at the end of class, he seemed to know more than I did. But he could just do it, right? I have a hard time reading and comprehending and understanding things, so it takes me harder. It takes me longer. I have to underline. I have to write in the margins. I have to highlight. This is why I don't like using a Kindle, because I can't write in the margins, right? I, I, I'd, love to be, I'd love to be able to preach from an iPad, but it's really hard for me because I remember things spatially, and I haven't been able to figure out how to do that on the iPad. I'm going to do it one day, though, I promise. <laughs> like, that's, that's what I want to do. But it takes me longer to do academic things. That's one of my weaknesses. What about you? Is there something that you struggle with at school or at work? Is it something physical? Maybe it's not blindness, but maybe it's something else. Is it emotional? What are some of your weaknesses? Because you see, in the Bible, the Jews believed that any form of disability or weakness was due to sin. This was particularly true of people born with an ailment or a disability. This is why the disciples asked Jesus, well, who sinned, this man or his parents? Now, we know that we are all born into sin, that we are all sinners from birth. But the disciples were looking for a particular sin that they could then draw a line to why this man was blind. And Jesus says, no, no one did anything wrong. This man's weakness, his condition, wasn't God's judgment or God's punishment. Look at John chapter 9, verse 3. It says this, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. It is intentional so that God's power could be displayed in this man. Imagine that. The very thing that we hate or despise about ourselves or wonder, why did God create me this way, is the very thing that God wants to use to show his power to the world. That sounds like, that sounds like good news to me because God, God, he didn't make a mistake when he made me and he didn't make a mistake when he made you. Parents, you need to know that you didn't do whatever this thing is to your child. Jesus says we were born this way because it's actually not about us, it's about God. It's so that God's power can be displayed, so that it can be manifested in us. We are not mistakes, we are miracles in the making. I need you to hear that and believe that for yourself, that you are not a mistake, you are a miracle in the making. Maybe your child was born with special needs and you questioned how God or, or why God. 
And those are perfectly understandable questions. They are good questions to ask your maker. Maybe you have a weakness that you feel like is such a burden that it, it makes your life harder, right? And you wish that um, things were different and you wonder, why did God make me this way? Life would be so much easier, right? If I could do better in math, if I had an easier time reading, if I, if I didn't have anger issues, if I, if I didn't struggle with depression or anxiety, if, if I weren't missing a limb. But what if God's response to our questions of how and why is you are not a mistake, but you are a miracle in the making. We see here, we see that Jesus shifts the conversation from cause to purpose. This man's blindness is not a tragedy in God's eyes. It's an opportunity. This man's blindness affords Jesus an opportunity to perform a miracle and to display the power of God. If this man weren't born blind, we would never know that Jesus could heal the blind. The man even says it himself at the end of the passage. In verses 32 through 33, we haven't gotten there yet. He says this, ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. No one had ever heard of someone healing a man born blind, but here is Jesus doing it. Jesus performs his power. He displays his power through this man's blindness, through this man's weakness. And our weakness actually makes us more powerful than we think. Even before this man met Jesus, God had purposed the man for God's power to be revealed in him. Last Sunday, Pastor IJ spoke about us um, being the type of people who bestow blessings on others. How we are supposed to be a blessing to others. And this is how we bless others. We let God use our life, use our story, use our weaknesses, use those things that we wish were different about ourselves. We let God use those things to demonstrate his power to the world so that other people could come to know and believe and understand in the power of God. Amen? We need to rethink how we understand disability or weakness or perceived shortcomings. We ought to despise those things. They're not a punishment, but it's the way that God wants to demonstrate his power through us. And guess what? Even if there are some things that you've done in your life that you think have contributed to your weaknesses, God can use those too. The Bible says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The man heard Jesus's voice and he felt Jesus's touch, even though he couldn't see him. Don't you know that despite whatever weakness you think you have, Jesus knows exactly how to speak to you. He knows exactly how to get to you. Your weakness does not prevent you from experiencing the power of God in your life. And so we need to remind ourselves that we are weak. We do have weaknesses. I have lots of them, but they are not my punishment. They are not the things that I, that I hate or despise about myself. Instead, they are opportunities for God's power to be at work in my life and in work in your life. 
And we need to remember this, that we can learn not just from our own weaknesses, but from the weaknesses of others, particularly those whose weaknesses might be a little bit more prominent than ours. So, so for so, for, you know, all my life, people have told me that I have like an athletic build, except I am horrible at sports. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. But you wouldn't know that unless you actually saw me play a sport. It's a weakness, but it's not as prominent as someone who is blind or has Down syndrome. You wouldn't necessarily know that it takes me a longer time to read and to understand material sometimes. That's not as prominent as someone who might have a speech impediment or who has dyslexia. But we need to pay attention to those people whose weaknesses may be more prominent than ours because if God is able to do something wonderful and powerful in my life, then I am assured, I am guaranteed that he is able to do something wonderful and powerful in their life as well. And it's my job to be humble enough to learn it because God wants to use what he's doing in their life to show me something about him. That's what happens in the text. As we'll see, Jesus uses this man's blindness to teach his neighbors, his parents, and the Pharisees who Jesus is. Jesus' power is manifested in this man's weaknesses. So first, God's power is seen in me when I am weak. Next, it is seen in me when I work. Say, I work. I work. God's power is seen in me when I work. Look at uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. Then he spit on the ground, meaning Jesus, made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and he came back seeing. The healing required Jesus's instructions plus the man's obedience. Jesus, he spits in the dirt, he makes mud, he puts it up and he smears it on the man's eyes. Do not do this, kids. Do not do this. This is like the one time you should not act like Jesus. <laughs> but Jesus does this, right? And he tells the man to go wash his eyes in the pool of Siloam. And it's only after the man goes to the pool and he comes back that he realizes that he can see. Now, what's important here is that though Jesus is the healer, the healing would not have taken place if the man refused to go wash his face. If the man had refused the treatment that Jesus offered, he would not have been healed. So for God's power to be demonstrated in our lives, we have to put our faith to work too. We have to work. You know, sometimes I think that we think that, that God is not hearing us or that he's not able to do something in our lives because it hasn't happened yet, when in actuality, he's waiting on us to do our work. He's waiting on us to be obedient. How many have ever prayed that you would pass a test or that you would do well in a test? I know you have. You prayed, I prayed, God help me. Right? That's, that's the prayer. God help me. And he will. But you have to study. We do our part. God does his part. God, I, I want to get out of debt. 
you've got to spend differently. God, I want to be healed. You've got to take the medicine. You've got to go through the treatment. You've got to go to therapy. God, I want to improve in what area of life that I need to. Well, you need to spend your time differently. You need to do some things differently. God, I want you to use me. Then you need to spend some time in prayer before God. How do you want to use me? We've got to do our part. Have you, have you ever heard the expression, God helps those who help themselves? I don't like that expression. But, and it's not in the Bible. Please don't ever think that's not in the Bible. <laughs> it's not a Bible verse. But there is some truth to that expression. We've got to do our part, no matter how big or how small that is, and God will do the rest. God always comes through, but we have to do our work. If the man had not gone down to the pool, the healing would not have taken place. Not because Jesus couldn't do it, but because the man didn't do his work. Jesus is inviting us to be a part of the powerful work that he wants to do in our lives. He wants us to be a part of the powerful work that he is doing in the world. He's inviting us to be a part of the story that he is creating. But that story, what's so good about it is that it requires us to work with God. Because when we're working with God, we actually know our limits. We know precisely where God's power is activated in our lives. I do not like public speaking. I am terrified every time I preach. I stress over it, what I say and how I say it. And you hear me, I say the same prayer every time I preach because I have done all that I know how to do. And God has to do the rest. And anytime any one of you says, oh, that message really spoke to me or God really spoke to me, you know what? I know that that wasn't me. That that wasn't what I wrote on paper. That was God's power at work despite me. Despite my weaknesses. Despite my sinfulness. But I have to do the work. I can't just get up here on a Sunday morning and hope for the best. It doesn't work that way. What work is God calling you to do in your own life so that he can display his power through you? Because someone needs to see what healed relationships look like. Someone needs to see what amended marriage looks like. Someone needs to see what academic achievements look like despite dyslexia or your learning disability. Someone needs to see what it looks like for you to commit to your mental health or to your physical health. Parents, as much as you're investing in your children's education, invest in them seeing the power of God at work in your life. Students, as much as you want to look good for your friends, make sure they see Jesus all over you, the power of God working in your life. Our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, the people on the street need to know that God is still at work. And they see it when they see us. 
God's power is on display in our lives. It's a partnership between us and God. It's a partnership. We do our work and God does the rest. It's tag team. My brother used to watch wrestling all the time, right? It's tag team. God is saying, tag, you're it, get in the ring. Our faith must work. It requires that we do some work too. So for God's power to be seen in me, I am weak, I work, and finally I witness. Say it with me, I witness. I witness. God's power is seen in me when I witness. We've got to tell others what Jesus has done in our lives. We have to tell about our experience with Jesus. How many of you have ever, you know, watched an Instagram or a TikTok video and they're standing there and they're telling you how great this product is, right? They tell you how this skincare product can clear up your skin. You'll have glass skin. They tell you how cool this video game is. They are witnessing. They are telling you about an experience that they have had with a product, with a video game, with a restaurant they've gone to, with a, a place they've traveled to. They are telling you how great it is and they, you're, they are inviting you to experience it too. That's what it means to be a witness. All those people on Instagram are witnessing to something. Our job as Christians is to witness to the goodness of God in our lives so that we might encourage others to come and try Jesus too. That's what it means to share your testimony. That's what it means to witness. So let's go back to the text and we're going to see um, about this, this man's experience witnessing. So John chapter 9, we're reading from 8 to 34 now. The, uh, his neighbors, meaning the blind man's neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar, asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others says, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous things? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leader still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents. They asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. 
His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah could be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, he is old enough, ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Don't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Wow, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. So this man comes back from the pool and he's no longer blind. He can see. And when people ask him how it happens, he tells them it was Jesus. Now, the sad thing is that oftentimes in the Bible, someone is healed. And rather than the people being excited about it, they, they, they start asking all these questions and all this controversy ensues, right? There's all this drama. And so that's what happens here. The neighbors couldn't believe that it was the same man that had been begging all his life. And he says, yes, it was me. He tells them what Jesus did for him. And then the neighbors, they take him to the Pharisees because, because they're, they're, they, they're, they're upset that Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. They believe that this is a violation of God's law. And he tells them what Jesus did for him. And they try to convince him that Jesus must be a sinner. And he holds his ground. He says, no, this man is a prophet. The Pharisees even bring in this man's parents. They think, well, this must not be the same guy. Let's bring in his parents. And they say, yes, he is our son. Yes, he was born blind. But then they do something very horrible. They say, but we don't know how his eyes were opened. You have to ask him. He's, he's old enough to speak for himself. So let me just stop here for a, a minute. Now, y'all know I don't have any kids, but I'm going to give you some unsolicited parenting advice. <laughs> don't ever throw your kids under the bus like this. <laughs> The parents were afraid that they would be thrown out of the synagogue if they admitted that Jesus had healed their son, right? Because then it would be proof that Jesus was the Messiah. So rather than tell the truth and stand by their son, they left him out to dry for himself. They betrayed their son. Parents, this kind of pain cuts deeply. This is the kind of thing that gets you talked about at the EHS table, all right? 20, 30 years from now, your kid is in EHS talking about how their parents betrayed them. Don't be that parent, okay? Please don't do this to your child. Okay, back to the story. But even though his parents betray him, this man stands firmly on his witness about Jesus and what Jesus has done in his life. 
This man is incredibly courageous. That's the power of God working in his life too. In speaking with the Pharisees, he doesn't deny what happened to him, even though his parents do. And even though there's a, there's a threat that he's going to be thrown out of the synagogue hanging over him, he continues to witness about Jesus Christ. And as we will see next week, the more he witnesses about Jesus, the more he comes to understand more and more who Jesus is. He is a living witness of God's power at work in his life. The Pharisees, they're hammering him with questions. And the man, he doesn't know these like theological arguments. He doesn't know anything about Sabbath rules and when you heal and when you don't rule. He doesn't know anything about being a sinner and not being sinner. All he knows is what Jesus has done for him. And that's why what he says in verse 25 is so wonderful. He says, I don't know whether he is a sinner, but I know this. I was blind and now I see. You see, this verse is so powerful because sometimes the reason that we say we can't witness to other people is we're like, well, what if they ask me questions and I don't have the answer? You don't need to know the answer. You don't need to know theologically how Jesus is the son and still is God. You don't know how, you don't need to know how the Trinity works. You just need to know what Jesus has done in your life. You are an expert in what Jesus has done in your life. No one can argue with that. No one can argue with that. You have to be able to tell what Jesus has done for you. People are often sort of um, surprised, impressed by my resume. But I already told you how difficult it was for me to read, and not, not to read, but to comprehend, right? I'm mean, slower, it takes me longer. It takes me a long time to put together a sermon. I didn't get to college because I was so smart. I didn't get to law school because I was so smart. I didn't get to seminary because I was so smart. I was, I'm there, I was there because I did my work and God's power was at work with me the entire time. That's the story. That's the story. God healed that man and he became a witness. And though they tried to deny it, they couldn't deny what was before their very eyes. He was blind, but now he sees. The work of God was very simple. The power of God came to work in this man's life. And the result was that he was healed and he was transformed. And now he knows who Jesus is. He is a witness and you, my brothers and my sisters, are Jesus' witnesses. At the end of the service, we're going to pray for your children as they go back to school. Some of you prayed for that child. Some of you had a hard time conceiving a child. But God gave you a child. Be his witness. Teachers, you're going to go back to school. School administrators, you're going to go back to the classroom. All of us, we are going back to jobs tomorrow. And we prayed for these jobs. Be his witness. You 
have struggled through school. You may have struggled through whatever grade you passed last year, but you made it. Be his witness. Maybe there was a time when you were drowning in grief or depression or despair, but you made it. Maybe this morning you had a hard time getting out of bed, but you made it here. Be his witness. When people ask you, how did you get that promotion or how did you get that raise on your job? Don't pat yourself on the back. Yes, you can tell them what you did, but at the end of the day, it was because God's power was at work in your life. When you, when you pass that test, when you, when you get into college, when you get the job you've been dreaming about, it's not just your work. It's God's power at work in your life. Be his witness. Yes, I know that you're smart. Yes, I know that you're capable. But it is God's power at work in your weaknesses that makes the difference. That's the testimony. That's the witness. The people around us need to see the power of God, and God wants to use us to demonstrate it. Our weaknesses, they're not our mistakes. They're God's miracles in the making. The work we do, it's a partnership between us and God so God's power can be displayed in our lives. And when he does it, whatever it is, we are his witnesses telling others so that they too can come to believe in a God who still is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine according to the power, God's power at work in us. God wants to do powerful things in us and through us. If we are weak, if we work, and if we witness, let us pray. God, we thank you that you made no mistake when you made us, God. Every strength that we have been given is a blessing from you, God. And every weakness that we perceive in our lives is a blessing from you, God. It is the way for your power to be demonstrated in our lives. And so God, I pray for my brother or my sister who might be wrestling with a weakness. God, I pray that you would help us to see our weaknesses as opportunities and to do the work that we need to do so that your power can be displayed in our lives. And I pray, God, that you would give us holy boldness. Make us courageous witnesses to your power at work in us and through us, God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.